You're listening to the Ending Your Binge Eating Podcast, the place where women leaders, founders, and CEOs come to break free from binge eating so they can have more peace, energy, and make a bigger impact while enjoying the foods they love. Hi, welcome back to the podcast. Today, I am going to share with you three ways to stop sugar cravings in their tracks so you can avoid overeating in a way that feels effortless to you and doesn't feel like you're depriving yourself so that you can lose weight as a natural extension of who you are. And, you know, what most people do is when cravings come up, they try to use willpower. And when you use willpower, it unfortunately puts you in resistance. And when you're in resistance, you actually repel your ability to eat food with freedom. Why? Because it's your programming. Your brain has been programmed about food and eating in a particular way. It's even been programmed about changing your habits, like what it means to change your relationship with food in a particular way, especially if you have been, you know, dieting and your weight has been going up and down for a significant amount of time, then, you know, you may or may not recognize this, but you even have a relationship to weight loss that has been programmed into your brain. And so when your brain is in a state of resistance when you're using willpower, then you create resistance to change the very changes that you're wanting to create so that you're, you know, you can have peace with your food. So when someone relies on willpower, often what happens is they'll make positive changes, but the changes won't last. You know, you'll end up, you'll go weeks and be eating reasonable portions or eating lots of veggies or maybe trying to stick to a particular amount of calories every single day, then end up regressing back to the old state or oftentimes even worse off because of the backlash of having forced yourself for a period of time. It's like that pendulum was, um, you know, to one extreme and now it comes to the opposite extreme. And this is where you see that that all or nothing, that black and white, that doing well for a little while and then slipping back into old habits and then, you know, losing weight and then gaining back that weight, but then more. And often the longer the forcing, the longer the period of time that we white knuckle it or try to force ourselves by using willpower, the greater the force of that backlash. Um, You know, that's that's physics, right? <laughs> With every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. So again, this looks like forcing yourself to eat a certain amount of calories every day, for example, for for weeks and feeling deprived the entire time, maybe constantly obsessing over what you want to be eating, but you feel like you can't be eating it and fearful that, you know, even if you go just a few calories beyond that specific amount of calories that you've blown it, which can cause um, after doing this for a few weeks, maybe you're having raging cravings for something sweet and you finally cave in after a few weeks. Or maybe you start to get that voice that says, you know what, I can just have one, you know, one cookie or one or two bites. But then once you get that taste, it activates that that trigger again. And then you end up eating more and more and more of it until it turns into a significant amount more than you had planned to eat, maybe even a binge. So I'm going to share three ways you can use to stop sugar cravings in their tracks. There are six ways of doing this inside Eat With Balance, which opens again in January. 
But I'm giving you my personal favorite and best three right now, because with these three, you'll already start to notice that you'll reduce your cravings by as much as 90%, which is what my student Lydia discovered when applying only just way number one alone. And you'll start to notice that you feel more power over your food choices. Um, You'll also notice just a more balanced emotional state. So number one, way number one is what I call the satiety triad. Um, But this is putting together three specific foods, three specific elements at your meals. And you've probably heard these before, but even if you, I want to challenge you because even if you've heard this before, the question is, are you actually doing it? See, a lot of times, especially in this space, because there's so much information out there about how to eat, about nutrition, about food, about dieting, weight loss, all of it. There's so much information. And what I've found is that a lot of my students, when they come to me, they are they have heads full of knowledge. And yet, if you're not actually implementing, well, you don't really truly know it. You just you have a concept of it, right? Well, having a concept of something and practicing it are two different things, you know? It's like if a doctor were to just go through medical school by reading all the all the books and taking all the tests, but they never actually did any clinicals, right? They never actually went out and actually actively practiced um, on on patients under the care of, you know, a senior doctor. But, you know, would you, would you want to go to a doctor who all they knew was what they read and they never actually practiced on patients? Probably not. And that's because you and I both know that in order to truly know something, that means that you're actually actively living whatever that is. You're actually practicing it. So with that being said, this first one is the satiety triad, which is having your meal be comprised of proteins, healthy fats, and fiber. So for example, this could look like, you know, a piece of chicken, a vegetable, and an avocado. But here is a little nuance to this that a lot of people, I think, don't realize that will truly be a game changer when you realize this, that, you know, you can truly turn any meal into a meal can adhere to the satiety triad. For example, Let's say you are craving bowl of cereal. Like maybe you ate a particular cereal for breakfast as a child and you you crave that bowl of cereal. And so you decide, you know, you choose to have it. Well, even that bowl of cereal, you can turn into a meal that adheres to the satiety triad. How? Well, you can use high protein milk. You can add protein powder to the milk. You can use, you know, whatever cereal you want from your childhood, you know, if it's nostalgia based or whatever, and then you can add a high fiber cereal and mix it together with it. And you can add, you know, um, some hemp hearts on top of that or chia seeds on top of that, and you can get your healthy fats. There's a million ways. And one of the ways that I've, one of the reasons rather that I've hesitated to talk about food as much is because we're all so different. And, you know, we have different schedules, different lifestyles, different values. So giving specific food advice 
it seems just ineffective because, you know, every individual is going to have different needs. However, when you understand the principle behind how to construct a meal and how to do it in a way that allows you to really mentally um, and emotionally thrive as well, well, that's the kind of thing that I feel comfortable sharing because you can apply this satiety triad, you can apply it to any meal, whether you're vegan or, you know, um, plant-based, it doesn't matter how you eat or, you know, whether or not you choose not to eat animal products or whatever, you can always apply these principles to your meals. I also want to talk about, you know, what is behind this? Like, why is this so effective when it comes to stopping cravings? And it, so let's use an analogy, which is thirst. You know, let's think of a time when you've been super, super, super thirsty and you just, you needed to get a glass of water. Somehow you need to get your hands on water. You know, all you could think about was getting a sip of water because your your mouth is so dry, you're so parched, you know, maybe you're overheated and you just need a sip of water. And then you finally get your hands on some water. Maybe you find a a drinking fountain and you take a few sips and you just take a bit, you know, a sigh of relief. And question is, now that you that you've quenched your thirst and you've satisfied that need, do you keep craving water? Probably not, unless you're actually dehydrated, right? Which is a condition, um, medical condition. But you probably don't just keep wanting to drink water, you know, constantly from that moment, you get to a point where your thirst is quenched and then you just move on, right? So that's why the satiety triad is so effective because what you do is you create a sense of satisfaction that allows you to then really release thinking about food and it reduces your cravings. Now, like I said, I had a student, Lydia, who um, she applied this and within about 48 hours, she recognized that her cravings were reduced by 90%. Those were her words. And she talked about how that wasn't an exaggeration and that it was even when she was on her period and she has uh, some condition, I can't remember what it's called, some condition that makes her period super aggressive and her cravings very, you know, amplified. So try the satiety triad. Number two, pay attention to the physical sensations of a craving. So you may or may not realize this, and oftentimes um, the students I work with don't really recognize this, that your cravings actually come with physical symptoms, so to speak. And this is a an analogy that I'll often use about, you know, if you go to the doctor and your doctor says, where does it hurt? You often will, you know, or what's what seems to be the problem, you know, you'll often share your symptoms. You know, you, you'll probably say something like I have a sore throat or I have an upset stomach and you'll talk about where it hurts or where the discomfort is. Well, paying attention to the physical sensations of a craving, that is what that is about. That is about noticing where your, where the physical, where you feel a craving physically in your body. Now, a randomized study was done on smokers at the Yale Therapeutic Neuroscience Center, showing that the link between cravings and acting on them was severed when they applied an understanding of their brain's reward-based learning system 
which is what I call rewiring your brain's reward-based learning system. This was found to be five more times, five times more effective than the gold standard, which is cognitive behavioral therapy. Now, why is this so important when it comes to paying attention to the physical sensations of a craving? Because how does that enable you to rewire your brain's reward-based learning system? Well, when you train yourself to focus, and if you've like, if any of my meditators out there, what do you do when you meditate? You simply focus on something and you keep bringing your attention back to whatever that something is, right? When your mind wanders, you simply bring your attention back. Well, what you're doing is you're, without recognizing it, this may or may not be your attention, but you're training your focus. You're training yourself to focus on something. And whenever we pay attention to our sensations, when a craving happens, we're training ourselves what to pay attention to. Now, this is powerful because what you probably have paid attention to in the past has been, I want sugar. You know, I want cake. I want ice cream. You might be saying things to yourself like, oh, if I start eating that, I'm not going to be able to stop. I feel out of control. And notice that when you're paying attention to those thoughts, you're creating more of those thoughts because whatever you focus on expands. Instead of focusing on your thoughts, focus on the physical sensations when you have craving. Drop your attention down into your body and notice where you're feeling it. Is it in your chest? Is it in your stomach? Is it moving? You know, what kind of quality does it have? Is it a burning sensation? Is it tingling? Is it like rising up or moving down? And the more you can do this, the more you start to um, naturally start to detach from it. And also you'll notice that when you follow that sensation through your body, it dissipates. And without even trying to control it, it goes away on its own. So now Number three, we've already begun to do in step two. But number three, number three is to dissociate from the craving. What do I mean by dissociate? What I mean is to stop identifying with it. So often we think that that we're our habits, you know, we think that what we're doing is who we are. And, you know, if it's something that we don't particularly want to be doing, When we're doing it, we judge ourselves for it. We beat ourselves up for it. And we say, I'm X, Y, Z, you know, and identify with whatever that negative thing is. So for example, when it comes to overeating, you might think, oh, I, you know, I'm so out of control with food. Once I start eating, I can't stop. And, you know, this has been a struggle for so long and it's never going to change. And, you know, whatever those thoughts are that you might think. Now, when you dissociate from the craving, you're recognizing that that craving is not you, nor does it have anything to do with who you are, what your character is, what you're capable of. You're beginning to um, acknowledge that craving is just a habit, plain and simple. So to demonstrate this, I need to explain a little bit about habits and about cravings. And a habit is comprised of three sections, a cue, a routine, and a reward. Another way of thinking about it is a trigger, a behavior, and a reward. And what happens is when this routine is performed a certain amount of times and it varies, what happens is craving is introduced. And when a craving, when craving is introduced, the whole purpose of craving is to give you the urge to perform the routine. 
So if you look at, for example, those um, studies with Pavlov's dog, at first there is um, a bell and then the dog is given a treat and then that, you know, the treat is the reward, right? Well, eventually the dog starts to salivate, which demonstrates the craving that the dog is experiencing. Well, at some point they completely remove the the treat and the dog associates the bell with the reward that's coming, starts anticipating it. And so despite the fact that the treat isn't placed there, the dog doesn't sal I mean the dog still salivates. Why? Because that bell has now become just simply a trigger saying, hey, this this is coming. This reward is coming. Now, what we tend to do is we tend to make that about ourselves. Like, I, because I'm having a craving, something's wrong with me or something is wrong or I'm a bad person and why can't I control myself and things like this. When actually, it's simply just an alarm. So imagine like when your alarm rings, you don't make that alarm mean anything. It literally is just performing a function. It's doing what it was programmed to do. Well, the same thing is occurring with the cravings that ring in your brain. Um, It's simply something that has been programmed to to do that, to notify you that, hey, it's time to perform this routine again. Instead of getting down on yourself about um, the kind of person that you are and blaming yourself for these cravings or being afraid of them or, you know, feeling like um, feeling bad about them, you can actually just recognize like, hey, uh, this craving isn't me. This is just an alarm that's going off in my brain. All right. So hopefully my bird wasn't too loud during this episode. I tried to wait until she finished squawking, but you know, Starbuck is pretty much part of the family here at this point. (laughs) So today we went over three ways to stop sugar cravings in their tracks. And the first way was the satiety triad. The second way was paying attention to the physical sensations of a craving. And the third was to disassociate from the craving. And by the way, if you want to go deeper on this, I have an awesome audio training on how to get through any cravings without giving in. So you can grab that training and it goes really deep, especially into um, number two that I've shared here today and number three, um, you can get that at rashondiates.com slash cravings. All right. Thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on another episode of the Ending Your Binge Eating Podcast. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you have gained any value from this episode or from the podcast in general, then I would really appreciate it if you would leave a review on iTunes. It is such a big help. It helps me to reach more people. And if you did gain any insights, I would love to hear your takeaways and how you're implementing these tools Over on Instagram, you can follow me at Rashondi Yates and send me a DM and let me know what you are using, what you're taking away from the episode, what your ahas are, things that you're seeing differently. I love having conversations with you over there. And until next time, I'll catch you on an episode, on on another episode. Bye.